Hello and welcome to episode 1079 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, very early over there. Good morning, sir. Yeah, it is. Bright and early. Waking up with Justin and Paul. That's right. But hey, that's okay. Fridays, we're both uh, we're both ready to do it. Uh, neither of us particular morning people, but uh, I've shifted a bit. And you have your day job that makes you up early. So that, mm-hmm. that creates the uh, the 8 o'clock Central Friday show. Plus, and, it's good uh, for me because I've got Potapalooza this weekend. So like, You've got a huge weekend coming yeah, up. Yeah, i got to be up early for that anyway. It starts at 7 we'll o'clock practice. in the morning my time. Yeah, so... 10 a.m. on East Coast, 7 a.m. Uh, uh, West Coast tomorrow, Sunday. Uh, over 50 uh, fantasy analysts coming together, raise money for charity uh, for Big League Impact. Um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. So definitely come through. I'm going to put it up on Fangraphs, on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. So all those amazing places. Uh, you can come watch and raise money for a really, really great cause. Uh, if you want to donate, um, justinmasonfancy at gmail.com or at Justin Salinger on Venmo. And every dollar you uh, donate gets you a raffle ticket to win awesome prizes, including TGFBI uh, entries, um, baseball cards, bobbleheads, T-shirts, subscriptions to sites. Uh, even uh, Patrick Davitt's giving away a guest spot on uh, Baseball HQ Radio. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, is there any universal or like a, a one-stop shop where people can find the, the schedule, the rundown of things? Um, I will post that on the site uh, okay. tomorrow, uh, along with an embedded link to uh, to the live streams. And which site um, would that be? Friends with Fantasy Benefits? No, Fangraphs. Put on oh, Fangraphs. on Fangraphs. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'll put on fan, I'll put on Fangraphs tomorrow. It'll tweet out. Um, or it'll, it'll be up right at, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, Eastern. Um, and I'll also post, I, I've been posting kind of a thread of the schedule. Yes. Um, on Twitter I'll also post like just a, like a, a, an actual like hard copy of the schedule as well. So, uh, it'll be out there. You're on tomorrow. Second. At, yeah. You're second, right? So Can't wait. 11 AM Nick Pollock. Uh, Michael Simeone, Eric Samolski, and you talking starting pitching. So that that should be pretty fun. Which is what we're going to talk about today. Maybe some of these players will come up. We're on the segues. We're zipping on over. So what we're doing, Justin, is we're searching for some second-half studs. Basically, I took a bunch of guys that I found pretty intriguing that currently hold Sierra's over four. Sierra is skill interactive ERA. It's another ERA indicator. It's in the same vein as like a FIP or an XERA, it happens to have the best uh, correlation to ERA prediction. Not by major margins. If you're using FIP, if you're using XFIP, Sierra, XERA, you're not going to be too far off, whichever one you choose. I happen to like Sierra. That's the one we're using. So I picked 16 guys that have four or better uh, in their Sierra, which means that they might have ERAs that are under four. So are those guys in some trouble or... Can they get their skills closer to where their ERAs are? And then some other guys who are well over four ERA, can they bring their ERAs down to where these CRs are? So let's just get into it. We have a few team groupings here. 
to start off, Patrick Sandoval and Reed Detmers on the Angels. A couple different pitchers there, right? Obviously, Patrick Sandoval, a lot of hype coming into the year. There's some major expectation there. Reed Detmers is a rookie who's had some ups and downs. Um, the expectation level is not as high for him, but both currently toting that uh, that four or higher Sierra. In fact, the best ERA of this group is Sandoval at three, but he has a 404 Sierra. And Justin, it's because of the 143 whip. He's just yeah. walking too many guys at 10%. And like his 8.8 hits per nine is pretty high too. That comes with the ground balls and a lack of uh, quality defense there. But we have the swing and miss. 24% K rate, 13% swinging strikes for Patrick Sandoval. We'll do Sandoval first, then Detmers. Can Sandoval maintain this ERA but start to earn it? Or do you worry that he's going the other way because of that aforementioned whip? What do you come out on Patrick Sandoval in the second half? I, I think he's got a, just a really wide range of outcomes. I love Patrick Sandoval. Like I drafted him in the main, uh, I think like eleventh round or something like that. Tried to snipe Scott Jenstad, uh, just you know, drive a dagger into the heart. Try of to striker. Get, try to strike striker. Yeah, yeah. So you can get reverse struck when you do that, though. You got to be careful yeah, if you're trying to absolutely. strike striker. You, what's the phrase? You better if you come for the king, you best not miss. Because yeah. He gonna get you. It's definitely missed me in terms of uh, what he's done to my whip. Exactly, um, he's whipping the, you around. Yeah, that whip has not been great. Uh, but I just think there's such a wide range of outcomes, especially with that high walk rate and that high ground ball rate, um, and that defense behind him really just is not very good. And it's been, uh, it's been a lot of different faces back there. They've, yeah. they've been really no devastated injury wise. Uh, on that infield, so I, I mean, the upside is huge, and we've seen it, right? We've, I mean, we've seen him just absolutely dominate in outings, uh, and for you know stretches of time. We saw it last year. One of the reasons why he was such a kind of popular sleeper, quote unquote, sleeper pick this year. And same way, I mean, Reed Detmers was a really popular sleeper pick. Yeah, but they were different. Toward, Sandoval yeah, was a wide awake exactly. sleeper, which I think mm -hmm. is what you were kind of hinting at. Uh, whereas Detmers was an actual sleeper, mm -hmm. and he's kind of had some fun. But with Sandoval, I think the easiest comp is Luis Castillo. Their change-up first guys, yep. I think I've already made this comp on the show. Their change-up first guys live on that ground ball, can have walk issues, and we know the volatility of Luis Castillo. I mean, look at last year. Remember when he started the first two months, like 7.22 ERA, sub-3 ERA over the final four months. So we know how this profile can work. I think Sandoval is definitely somebody. You're not getting him off the wire or anything. Some of these guys will be on the wire. Sandoval, obviously not. Mm -hmm. I'm riding it out with him, even though the whip is egregiously high. I think he can improve. I don't know that he's going to start earning, quote-unquote, a three ERA, but I think he can be like a mid-threes type of Sierra, which means he gets the whip down. Things get back in check a little bit. Shave a little bit off those walks, get the hits in check, continue to have the strikeout rate, and I think Sandoval will be a good second-half pitcher. I do too. I think the only issue, and I think it's an issue obviously with both these guys, is or not the only issue, but one of the issues that we haven't mentioned, um, it, you know, is the what fact they, they run do? a they run a six man rotation. And oh, so, that's true too. I thought you were gonna say like, what do they do to the team at, at, at the deadline? But yeah, they run a six man, so no two starts for any of these. Yeah. Of these I mean, I don't know what the, they do. I don't think if the, anything the team does hurts them because who are they really gonna trade away from that offense? Like, true. Um, there's like there's nobody said, left that's alive. Well, and they've already been having a, a 
what the fuck is that called? Rotating, uh, no, yeah. no, revolving door. God. Yeah. Uh, but they've already had a revolving door in the infield, as you highlighted. What more could like trading VR do if for some reason yeah. they found a, a taker frame? So you're right. Uh, let's go to Detmers real quick. Different story completely, right? Doesn't have the skill set to fall back on the, the swing and miss that Sandoval does. Um, I think that his, uh, his no hitter was a perfect microcosm of where Detmers is right now, which isn't particularly special right it was a two strikeout no hitter it wasn't one of those that felt overpowering not to take away from his special night it's awesome when you get a no hitter everything's working your way but not all no hitters are created equally either and when you only have two strikeouts it's less impressive mm -hmm. simply put and the, the lack of swing and miss has been the issue with Detmers. we just haven't really seen it i do think it's there for the future like i, I still believe in him fully uh, for the future, but for this year, he's riding a 198 average. So the, the defense is actually showing up for Reed Detmers. Uh, part of that is that they don't have to field as many ground balls. It's a 38% ground ball rate. Can Detmers be more than he's been to this point? Or do you look at that 444 Sierra and say, yeah, that's about who he is. And if anything, I expect the 107 whip to start inching upward. What does Detmers second half look like to you? I kind of think this is who he is, at least for right now. I think he would really, I, I think he would really benefit from a, um, a pitch mix change a little bit. Maybe throw the change up a little bit more. He's only thrown it thirteen percent of the time, and it's been kind of the it's it's at least played the best out of his secondaries. So um, maybe it's something they re retool in the off season. Try to uh, try to work on pitch mix and pitch sequencing. Um, you know, the, the pro one of the problems with him is, you know, command within the zone. Like he just, sometimes he just doesn't have, it can lead to home runs. I, I don't know. He, he doesn't have the strikeout upside, at least right now, though, like you kind of, I think alluded to, like you watch him pitch and you go, why isn't he striking out? You see guys? it. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is he giving up so much contact? Um, he gives up a lot of contact inside the zone, but also outside of the zone gives up a lot of contact. And I think that just leads sometimes to some base hits that probably wouldn't fall uh, if he was just moving his stuff a little bit better with with the breaking stuff. So um, I think he I think he needs some retooling. I think maybe he came up to the majors a little fast, and that's why you got, got saw him get sent back down. But it's hard to. Like when a guy throws a no hitter, it's hard to send him back down to the minor leagues. So. That, that's true. That's true. I I actually think it's okay that he's up. Like he, I think more so. Like he just wasn't ready for prime time fantasy wise. He mm -hmm. did get the little send down to kind of clear his head because things had gone a bit south after the no hitter, and it's like you don't want him to lose his confidence. Like, am I a complete fraud? Was that no hitter the luckiest thing ever? And the only good moment I'll have? No, no, no. Let's level out. You're fine. I think him being like Reed Detmers being like a, a fourth, fifth starter off rip is pretty impressive. But is he ready to be a fourth, fifth fantasy starter right now? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. You're looking at the 411 ERA 107 whip. Those numbers say you can make the grade in a 15 teamer, but a 20% K rate and the, the lack of dominance that we've seen, I think puts that at risk and puts that at risk for him to raise that ERA closer to the 444 Sierra or even higher. Uh, so I have some concerns about Detmers in the second half, but like I said, still love him long-term. What if he's not allowing a 198 average? If that just moves up to even something like 220, which would be a good batting average against, all those extra hits could be very problematic for him, especially with the 1.4 homer nine. I have concerns about Reed Detmers in the second half. I 
even though that he had two good starts upon returning with 13 strikeouts, I'm conflicted here because I also am curious if you think there's any sort of uh, innings to be looking out for. He has 76 this year. If you include the one start in the minors, um, do we, do we see a cap or can he get to the finish line with like a buck 60? If he, he has, if he has 80 more innings, or I guess that would be, um, what would that be? 90 more innings. I don't know that he, he – I don't def, definitely don't think he has 90 more innings, but because the Angels run a six-man rotation, they could probably just limit him in games. Like, you know, hey, you're only going to go five innings at max. Uh, so that way you do make it to the finish line. Or maybe there's an Allison or, or, a, or a, um, you know, a demotion at some point. Um, yeah, I forgot with the six-man. Yeah, he doesn't need – to, yeah. to make to go 90 innings to like kind of get to the finish line let's do the math real quick there's 92 games that they played which means uh they have 70 left divided by six that's about 11 slash 12 turns we'll go 12 we'll go all the way with it mm -hmm. uh even if that's five innings a piece that's only 60 innings yeah and that gets so, him to the finish line so that's not bad though that like he shouldn't if you like that merchant if you have like an al only where where he is a easy play all the time you shouldn't face too much innings uh, consideration, I don't think, with three Detmers. I think the six-man kind of protects that, right? Yeah, and with them not really being competitive, I think they'll just be careful and kind of let him... Yeah, it's, a, it's unreal. It's just unreal how uh, they have two of the greatest players of our generation, <laughs> arguably the greatest players of our generation, and they're, they're not going to make... And not uh, just that. It's not two players and then a bunch of minus five warriors. No, There's no. other good players on the team. They just suck they, so bad. They actually kind of fix the rotation, which has I been know. their one like Achilles heel. And Honestly, still... it's, it's that infield that you talked about. Like yeah. We could go deeper on that. Obviously not for this episode, but like Breaking that down, the, the lack of stability on the infield has been a nightmare for them at every mm -hmm. position except for first with Jared Walsh. All three of the others have been turnover city. So anyway, sorry, uh, Detmers, yeah. uh, go ahead and put your bow on it, and we'll move on to the next one. No, no, that's it. I, I okay. mean, I, I think he's um, I think he's a guy you just should judicious with the rest of the season. Like, you know, really kind of pick and choose your starts, Agreed. you know, but there's some bad teams in that division, even though he doesn't get to face his own. Yeah, and you could you could you know always against Oakland, you're doing that mm -hmm. even in like a ten teamer type deal. Yeah, let's go out to San Diego. We got three guys out there that could definitely make some noise in this realm here, um, and varying degrees. You know, same with the Sandoval versus Detmers. We've got two veterans in Blake Snell and Sean Manaya, and then a rookie in Mackenzie Gore. So we've got three guys here that could all play up big. Uh, let's start with Manaya, who has a four Sierra. I believe that would be the best of this bunch because you can't be any lower than that. It, it started at four. So uh, he and Manaya and Snell are, are at four and 402 respectively. They are the two best by Sierra here, but Manaya has a 411 ERA and Snell has a 522. So let's start with the veteran lefties. Manaya first. He has 102 thirds innings um, with that 411 ERA, 123 whip, 24% K rate. And he's been a four Sierra. He's kind of been who he's supposed to be is there anything more there or is it just more of the same for Manaya in the second half where do you come out with sean Manaya in san diego i always feel like there's something more with Manaya, um but the changeup has been really really bad this year like um and that that's that's been a problem so uh i think there's just going to be inconsistencies in, until he, that that changeup starts to play up a little bit and um you know he's it's He's got uh, like a 12% swing strike rate, so I don't think that 
we're going to see like a ton more strikeouts or anything. I think he's going to be kind of just right around in a strikeout an inning or, or sub that um, he's, he's not getting a ton of ground balls uh, in the way that he has at some, at, at certain points during his, uh, during his career. Um, yeah. I think he's just going to be kind of the inconsistent, uh, uh, you know, Sean Maniah that we've seen over the course of his career. There are going to be these bright spots where you go, Oh, here it is. Here is the guy that we've all been waiting on. And then there are going to be those games that he just doesn't have it and gives up a, you know, couple home runs or, or gets, you know, uh, hit around. So, uh, I, you know, I love the idea of Sean Mania. I don't know that I actually love the end result. It's kind of a left-handed uh, Jose Barrios to me oh, yeah. in that, you know, n- not, not as much of like that workhorse, although, you know, he's mm-hmm. got, some 30 a 32 27 29 mm-hmm. stars but anyway like that sort of like even when his highs are up there you know it's always going to come back what you, what you said about how like he'll always have that kind of bumpy start mania will and kind of give some of the greatness back yep. and we saw that even in his season last year that was a pretty good year overall but there were still those disaster periods he had f- four starts of five earned runs or excuse me five Five starts of five earned runs, Manaya did, which kind of kept that ERA in check, 391, even though he had a 366 Sierra last year. So that highlights the point that you're talking about with Manaya, and I totally agree. Let's move over to Snell. We know the upside can be rich. Even this year, he has a 30% K rate with a 14.4 swinging strike rate, so it's backed up there. He also has a 14% walk rate, though. Yeah. It all comes down to the command and control, and right now it's not there. Can he find it? And more importantly, you say can he? Sure, he can. Realistically, does he? What is the likelihood that Blake Snell finds some command and works his ERA back down toward that 402 Sierra, which is where he's been exactly for the last uh, two years? That's what his, that's what his number was last year. That's what it is this year. But he's put up 420 and 522 ERAs around it. So what Snell do we get? The guy working toward his Sierra or the guy who continues to underperform that Sierra? Oh. I mean, it, I mean, it all comes down to control with him. Actually, I mean, it's just, um, I, he's just walking everybody. He's got like a thirty-five percent zone rate. Like fourteen yeah, percent like, is, I mean, it's tough. Fourteen percent walk rate. Yeah. That's so high. Um, and you know, I mean, and league average for zone rates, you know, above forty, right? For forty-one point three percent, he's he's in the zone about thirty-five percent. Um. I can get like, hey, I don't want to give up the home run, so I'm okay putting a guy on base. But it gets to be a little bit too much. I mean, he has two. He also doesn't have any elite defense either behind him. Um, You know, so it's, uh, yeah, he has at least two walks every start, except for the one that he left early, like the 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 first one of the season when he like got scratched. It's still listed in here, so I guess he pitched for a second, but like. Or no, he didn't even throw a pitch. I don't know why it's listed. Maybe he was the listed starter or something. But he has two walks or more in every start this year that Blake Snell has made. Like, that's really bad. I mean, he's got really good stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's strikeout stuff. So, you know, you almost wonder why someone hasn't been like, hey, let's Robbie Ray it from last year a little bit. Like, let's let's make them, yeah, make them beat you. Mm-hmm. Um because I think if he was just more aggressive inside the zone, 
I think a lot of these issues would kind of subside, and he might turn back into that elite starting pitcher that won a Cy Young. I agree. Um, I, I do think Snell still has that upside there because we see glimmers of it still. Yeah. Again, he's I, a thirty percent K rate right now. Like mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know it's all about whether or not he's willing to live in the zone um, and give guys an opportunity to hit, uh, and he hasn't been willing to do that very often this year. Uh, and it's, so it's kind of a it's kind of a choice. Like he's choosing to put these guys on base. This this isn't a matter of like, hey, he he's completely wild. I think he just needs to, you know be a little bit more aggressive and, uh, mm-hmm. and and not be willing to put so many guys on base. I, I, I agree there. Let's talk, let's talk Mackenzie Gore, the rookie lefty who's doing a, a pretty good Blake Snell imitation, or at least like a poor man's Blake Snell, 24% K rate, uh, but 12% walk rate. You know, he's got some good swing and miss there with a solid 10.4% swinging strike rate. We like that, but 433 Sierra, or excuse me, 433 ERA, 435 Sierra. So he's kind of earning uh, what, what he's been doing. Remember, he started off really strong, Mackenzie Gordon did, and then he's kind of given it back a little bit, as rookies are wont to do. Uh, it happens. The eight earned against your Giants and then the eight earned in Colorado doing a lot of work. In fact, he gave up six to Colorado uh, at home before that. So, I mean, you're talking about 22 earned runs in those three outings, and he's only given up 33 earned runs. So three disaster starts, one of which you could have avoided, you, you could have feasibly sat the rookie in Colorado, and I think you probably should have, um, although he had a 250 ERA at the time, so I understand if people had a hard time putting him on your bench. But where does Gore go from here? He has 68 and two-thirds innings on the season, plus another five at AAA. Um, he threw uh, only about uh, eyeballing it. It looks like about like 40 innings last year, so – what do we get from Mackenzie Gore the rest of the year at age 23? Is he going to be sidelined at any point if they get a starter? Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to end up in the bullpen after the trade deadline, I think. Uh, yeah, they already have six. I, I forgot. Darvish, yeah. Snell, Musgrove, Manaya, Clevenger, Gore. They could just move Gore. Uh, and they the have bit. Nick Martinez. So, like, they, they could That's just right. flip him back into um, – they could flip him back into the bullpen. I think that's where he needs to be, like – you go look at the pitch values and his only positive pitch is the fastball. And it's why he's throwing it 60% of the time. Yeah. He's going um, the opposite of like the league wide yeah. trend. Mackenzie Gore is embracing his heater. Yeah. Well, because it's the only pitch that's really actually that good or, you know, that good right now, all of yep. his secondary stuff. And he has three secondary pitches. None of them are playing well. They're all negative pitches right now. Um, that's, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Um, a little bit of trouble. Yeah, especially because, you know, you would think with his walk rate, maybe he's not living in the zone uh, as much as he should be. He is. He He's right there at league average living in the zone, uh, but he's also giving up uh, league average uh, zone contact while he's doing that. Um, I think he's on, honestly been a little bit lucky considering how poor his secondaries have played that he hasn't gotten blown up even more. Um, and I think that if he stays in the rotation, there's probably some trouble coming. And so this might be a sell high jump off point in redraft. Obviously, in Dynasty Keeper, you want to hold on to him uh, and, and hope that he figures some uh, some more things out. He took a huge leap forward this year, not taking anything away from the guy. Yeah. I'm like stoked to see him in the majors and pitching well. And um, But there's definitely... Uh, something's got to change on the secondaries if he's going to su- succeed long term as a starter. 
totally agree with that with Mackenzie Gore. And I do think that there is some sell high and don't be afraid to to bench him in anything that looks like potentially difficult matchup while they do have him in the rotation. I would not push this too far here. I would not necessarily be blindly starting Gore as long as they have him in the rotation. Like some guys I would do that with, Gore is not one. I would be choosy right now because he's shown that blow up potential. Again, three of his outings have caused the bulk of his damage, but I do worry about that happening uh, again. Like obviously not at Detroit, which is where he's scheduled to throw next week. That's wonderful. You know, start him there, of course. But be careful anything with the Dodgers, any any sort of hint of going to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Although I think I think the Padres might be done going to Colorado. They might have one more uh, uh, rotation over there. Yeah. So anyway, of your uh, of the three there, obviously it's not going to be Gore. So of the two, Manaya or Snell, who's your fave? I think Snell is my favorite just because I can see what the path is to success. Yeah, I can um, see where the greatness comes from. And yeah. It's yeah, really you, only one adjustment. Like it's him becoming more aggressive inside the zone. I think the Robbie Ray path, like that you mentioned, because yeah. that was the big thing was like, Hey, why don't you throw in the zone? I don't want to get hit. You know, they can't hit your stuff. It's really good. Yeah, right? Like it's, it's Walker's like, let's just try this. How about you put it in the zone and make them hit it instead of giving them free passes to where you're, you're painting yourself into a corner type deal. So it sounds simplistic. Obviously if it were that easy, a lot of guys would just do it. There is still the uh, the 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 achievement of hitting the zone consistently too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move to another team here, a little bit different than San Diego, Pittsburgh. It's same level of quality, yeah. uh, but no, the Pirates actually have three starters that have had bits of fantasy relevance this year, depending on on your league depth. Ronzi Contreras is the one that everyone is excited about. He got sent down, I think, really just for that sort of um, all star break situation where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, he'll be back. People freak out every time, even though it's been happening now for like a decade. It was a new thing years ago. And like a good young pitcher would get sent down and we'd all freak out. And it was very clear that they were just being sent down to stay on rotation during the break. People still freak out when it happens. Now, I know it happened a little bit before the break. It was July 7th uh, for Ronzi, but it was always about like innings management. So we've got Contreras, Mitch Keller and JT Brubaker. Mitch Keller had the big velo spike this year, and it hasn't really netted full results. And then JT Brubaker, somebody who's been kind of on and off waiver wires across 15 teamers. So all three of these guys are deeper league plays. I think Contreras has a little 12 team viability when he's going, but there is some, some nerves there about how much he'll be, uh, uh, about how well he'll be pitching any, any given start. So let's start with Keller, the highest profile of the bunch, former big time prospect, like I said, had that big velo spike this year, and he's held it. He's still up two miles an hour to 96 on average. It has brought better results than last year, but that's only because how could it not? He threw a 617 mm-hmm. ERA, 179 whip last year. So it is better at 455, 146, but that's still pretty unusable. And the swing strike rate hasn't gone up at all. The walk rates come down a little bit, no extra strikeouts. Why hasn't the extra velo uh, netted any real move tangible uh big results for mitch keller because the secondary suck <laughs> i mean that's that's pretty much it the secondary sucks of they can just sit on the fastball right like they they kind of can spit on you know uh <laughs> the secondaries and go i'm just gonna i'm just gonna you know missile seek right now um yeah that's and he gives up way too much contact like he's for a guy who throws as hard as he does, like 
he's pretty darn hittable when he's in the zone. Um, and he's in the zone like league average. So like it, and he's giving up like an 88% zone contact rate, um, which is pretty darn high for a guy that you want to get swing and miss from. Uh, this is why like there are the strikeouts are like seven per nine. Right. Yeah. So I, honestly, I like, I mean, I've, I've been on and off the Mitch Keller bandwagon uh, more times than I, that I care to admit, but I think then you just need to make him a power reliever. Um, might be might be the the move. Yeah. I mean, I think they want to. The fastball is really really good, especially with the. Could you imagine field. what it would be yeah. in two inning stints? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he's gotten it up, gotten it up here, and like I said, held that uh, held that velo with uh, Mitch Keller. Plus, yeah. Plus, with his injury history, it might keep him healthier long term. Like he might actually stay on the mound too. So, um, I, I think that. Maybe that is the end. You know, the Pirates have no reason not to try to make him a starter that's successful. But uh, I think ultimately he's going to end up in the bullpen as a as kind of a power reliever and maybe a pretty good one. Oh, absolutely. I can definitely see that. And, like, you know, he could kind of pair up with Bender. I'm not sure they're trading Bender, by the way. I think a lot of people are kind of expecting them to trade Bender. They have tons of years of control on him, and he's a hometown guy. Uh, he's like a Pittsburgh area guy. I don't know that they're necessarily going to trade him and like open up the closers role for yearly Yuri De La Santos or maybe Mitch Keller down the line. Mm-hmm. I agree on the potential relief. I'm just not seeing it as a uh, as a starter right now. Now a little bit of his uh, base runners uh, issue with his what 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 was his what, 143 infield defense. I just ran the numbers real quick outside of Cabrian Hayes at third base, who is doing positively. Uh, not much else going on on that infield defense for the Pirates. So keep that in mind a little bit too. Uh, what about JT Brubaker? Has a 402 ERA, 411 Sierra. By the way, I didn't mention Keller's Sierra was 417. Uh, Brubaker, 402, 141 with the ERA whip combo, 23% K rate and the 12% swing strike rate. That swing and miss, I think, is what has earned him the repeated uh, uh trips off the waiver wire onto somebody's team then they realize oh this is not that great even despite the strikeout upside and then they move on is there more to brubaker here can he find something beyond a 402 era 141 whip this season the rest of the way i'd like to think so but i'm having hard time seeing it like again he he's got the opposite problem his fastball sucks um and uh, really, I mean, the curveball has been the really, really good pitch this year. Uh, and and that's what gets some some really good swing and miss, too. So I, I don't I, I think the park really helps kind of protect him a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know, PNC is such a great place to pitch. I, I, I know that there are times where we see the flashes of greatness and um, and you're like, OK, maybe this is when JT Brewbreaker is going to start to put it together. But I just I don't think it's going to ever be consistent. I don't think he's ever really going to dominate. Uh, he, he gives up way too much contact. I think that that's going to cause problems, especially with that defense behind him. Yep, I, I tend to agree with all that. I don't really need to expound or uh, repeat it. So that's JT Brubaker, and then Ronzi. We don't know when when Contreras is coming back. I would imagine it wouldn't be too long. I think they um, said Tuesday. Okay, there you go. There you go, because I feel like he's, you know, in I think at the latest it would be after the deadline because they're obviously going to move like Quintana or mm-hmm. um, I'm maybe just Quintana. He, he's 34. I don't know that they're necessarily going to 
try to move Brubaker himself or Zach Thompson. Those are the only other two guys that are old-ish at 29. So Quintana will be gone. There'll be a spot for Ronzi. Does he, and you think he'll be back next week and then finishes out the season in the rotation? Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I mean, he's going to be frustrating to roster because they're going to be Correct. these moments of greatness, um, uh, but also moments where he shows that he's just a rookie pitcher. He doesn't quite yet know. On a bad to, team. Yeah, on a bad team. So like, I think the future is really bright for Ozzy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think agreed. he's, uh, you know, you watch him pitch and you go, "Oh, this guy's got something special." I so I do think long term he's going to be great. I think he's just going to be inconsistent because he's kind of just young and inexperienced yep. and, and doesn't and doesn't really. I don't. I think sometimes he doesn't trust his catcher enough. Uh, that, so. that standard pitching prospect, you know, the raw stuff. Yep. That it's there, you see how it works, but the inconsistency, the lack of command and control, etc. This will be one all chase for a f- few years at least. Oh, like, for sure. I, because He's I, I do think the upside on him uh, long term is is I think really really high. Totally agree. Totally agree with Ronzi Contreras. By the way, three seventy eight ERA on the year with a one thirty eight WHIP and a four nineteen Sierra. Agree with the frustration. He could be one of those guys that like, oh, he's got. Um, he's got the Rockies at home. Like the Rockies are coming to Pittsburgh. That's awesome. Boom, gives up six earned. And then you're yeah. like, oh, he's got the Dodgers in LA. I'm gonna sit him, throw seven scoreless. Like he's one of those guys that could could be that kind of annoying. So mm-hmm. you know the roller coaster you're about to get on. If you want to do it, go for it with Ron Z. Let's go out to Baltimore. Well, one of these guys that I know is treating you well. You're gonna have some positive yeah. things about to say about Tyler Wells. Kyle Bradish is pretty similar. So I, I paired the two here. They, uh, Bradish is currently hurt, so we'll talk about that when we get to him. But let's start with Wells, who's been one of your guys in the main, who has really helped uh, kind of flip your uh, flip your rotation around. We're going to talk about another guy, though, who you also had, and maybe you've been taking some pain, and he's been undercutting Tyler Wells' success. How do you feel about Tyler Wells, what he's done so far? Are you concerned about the lack of Ks, or is what he does, which is kind of the low strikeout but, but minimal contact, um, is that enough? For, for Tyler Wells to remain successful, or do you look at that 458 Sierra against the 338 ERA and say, uh oh, I, I need to be careful here? What, what, where do you come out with Tyler Wells? I, I think that park really helps him. <laughs> God, yes, it does. All of them, I, by the way, all the Baltimore. Yeah, players. I, I think he is saved by how just well that that Camden is playing up for pitchers since making the uh, the changes to the stadium. Because um, I think in in just about any other park he would be getting crushed uh, a lot more, but him he gets to continue to pitch in Camden. They're clearly uh, not going. They, did, to they did not move the wall in during yeah. the break. Yeah, I don't think they're going to change the dimensions. So I think you kind of just ride it for right now. I also think there is a little bit more strikeout upside. It's got an eleven percent swing strike rate and only seventeen percent strikeout rate. So yep, um, you know, and usually kind of the easy, you know, lazy math is to just double that swing strike rate, and you know, he should be around twenty percent, twenty two percent. So I think uh, you could actually see him get some more, uh, some more strikeouts. I think he's protected by that park a little bit. I think you do want to be judicious about starts on the road like you know obviously if he's going to Fenway or if he's going to Yankee Stadium you know mm-hmm. just sit him because I do feel like there's a big blow up coming like it like it this these skills aren't like elite or anything like it could that. be tonight I mean it's not in New York but it's against I, I, New York I did not start him tonight so. Justin uh okay so let me ask you this uh, that start or Cutter Crawford against Toronto Oh God, those are both really bad options. I know. 
Um, I probably would have gone Wells, but that's what yeah. we that's what Colin and I have done. Yeah, I just... I picked up a bunch of middle relievers um off the wire for this week for this week just so Smart. I wouldn't have to make those kind of starts. I also, I mean, I mean, I did some streaming too, like I'm using Madison Bumgarner, um, you know, because the Nationals are really bad against lefties. Uh, and and Bumgarner's been really really good at home. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I found some of those starts as well too. But for the most part, like I, I'd I'd rather start a reliever than get blown up first. You know, first game out of the break. We need volume, so we we can't really uh, play those games. And mm-hmm. and so we got we got to take the starters where we can, and we're risking it with Tyler Wells, even though we need strikeouts. Yeah, good luck, man. He's probably gonna get like three in, in his bad innings. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, all right, let's Cal Bradish. He is nicked right now, but he's on rehab, so that's why I still included him. He's had two rehab starts. He should be back relatively soon. He's actually been awesome in those starts, giving up one hit in eight innings with nine strikeouts, and that's it. It's in double A though, so he went down two levels, probably because Bowie is closer than their triple A. That's that that's my guess. Um, Bowie, Maryland mm-hmm. versus wherever triple A is Norfolk. And Norfolk is uh, Southern Virginia, Virginia. Okay. So yeah, just a little bit of proximity there. I think is the reason that he just went to double a, so Cal Bradish is crushing over there. I think he and Tyler Wells are very similar. So I think a lot of what you said about Wells, you're going to say about Bradish, but what do you think about Cal Bradish the rest of the way? Um, he has not been protected by the park quite as much. Uh, he's a two, one or nine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's been living in the zone, you know, uh, a league average amount, but when he's in the zone, he's super, super hittable. Like he gets a lot of his strikeouts from stuff outside of the zone. His zone contact rate is, is 90%. Um, and remember like 84, 85% is around league average. So like That's he needs to get out of the zone. He needs to do the opposite of, um, uh, of Snell. Robbie Ray and Snell. Yeah. He needs to do what Snell is doing. Be willing to give up maybe a couple more walks um, to not because his command in the zone can be spotty and when it gets hit, it can get hit a long way. So, I mean, he's got um, a 738 ERA, 177 whip, but a 411 Sierra. It is those yeah. homers and an egregious 12.4 hits nine uh, off of a near 400 Babbitt that is getting him. Can Bradish? you know figure figure it out or is the lack of dominance going to be the problem here i think some of it's unluckiness too we're talking about a guy with like a 33 percent fly ball rate but a 22 percent homer to fly ball rate Gross. like, like I mean, it, it, it yeah yeah it, that it, should it, even out a little bit especially in a park like camden so like i do think things will be better but like the blow up potential here is huge. Um, the, the upside huge too because of the strikeouts. Like true. So it's kind of picking your poison. If you're if you're in a position where like, hey, you need that volume and you need those strikeouts, Bradish is a is a really good gamble. Yeah, uh, and he'll be on waiver wires too. So if you're really mm-hmm. looking for something that could be impact because he was hurt, you're going to see him on some 12s and even some 15-team waiver wires right now. So you could take a shot with Bradish. Let's move to the guy who I, I think you still have on your team and might be uh, erasing some of the positivity that Tyler Wells has done. You still on the Pavetta train, Nick Pavetta? I still have him on my team. Again, another guy I did not start this week. Okay, um, let's uh, let's talk about him. So he had the big run. Things are looking like, okay, we're kicking the football. And then Lucy came in and yoinked it again. His July has been disastrous. He's given back all the good work, moved his ERA from 323 to 450, 
with three monstrously bad starts. However, two are against New York. You could have feasibly avoided at least one of them. Did you, by the way? Did you sit him for either New York start? Um, I believe they were both on two starts, so I don't think I did. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's tough. Uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, yeah, his 1350 ERA in the month of July uh, has been kind of brutal. Um, and in that time, he's given up four home runs. He's uh, average, you know, he's got a 390 batting average allowed. His whip is 2.25. Um, it's Yikes. just like been an unreal bad. Um, he, he may single-handedly be the reason I lost 30 points in 10 days. Yeah. Uh, and I told, it's going to be in my box score bits today. I told the story of our chat about how you pepped me up when you were first and I was 14th after a particularly rough day. And then three weeks later we go into the break and I'm ahead of you. And I'm, I didn't tell the story to like roast you or anything just to show the volatility of standings though, is that you were pepping me up and then mm -hmm. not three weeks later. I'm ahead of you by by one spot because yeah. of st our standings being so crazy volatile. Um, Pavet is part of that though because you said he had a 2.25 WHIP during this three start low. He had a mm -hmm. 1.95 ERA for 11 starts. Yeah. So what are we doing here? Is this just regression and he is who we thought he is, Dennis Green style, or is there some some kind of uh, potential return back to that eliteness that that Pavetta was pulling? Mm, no, I think this is probably who he is. I think this is. I think this is just the chickens coming home to roost a little bit. Are you also, moving on then? Not yet. I, I got to look at his kind of upcoming schedule and see like how many starts. And I mean, this is something you should be doing with like all your pitchers. Is like how many starts do you feel comfortable in the next three starts starting him? Because if the answer is one or zero, then you should just be moving on. I don't care They're how good cut. they are. Yeah. yeah, so uh but it gets Milwaukee next week, by the way. I'm fine with that. So, yeah. you know, if he gets blown up in that Milwaukee start, then maybe I'm moving on. Start to assess some things. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Because that'd be that'd be a fourth straight blow up. All yeah. right, let's continue to move on here. We'll have to speed up just a little bit because we are running a little short on time. Ranger Suarez, you see anything there for Ranger Suarez in Philly? It's been a bit up and down. Not a whole lot to go off of that that has me super excited, but he's been better than he was at the beginning of the season. Is Ranger Suarez somebody you think can go on a run? No, no, I don't. I just Dennis, I mean, Dennis Green style is who he thought. I see, is, yeah, is who we and, thought he is. and it's a bummer because I really thought like the way he came out of the bullpen and didn't lose any of his stuff. Yeah, uh, and and was able to even go deep into games like the same season. Like you really thought that hey maybe. He can be the next Carrasco, you know. I should uh, say but, he is who others thought he was. You and I were pretty yeah. high on him. I think yeah, we're yeah, taking a bit are. of an L on, on Ranger Suarez. I don't know. Ab absolutely. absolutely. Like, in spite of the fact, like, he hasn't, like, necessarily lost, like, a ton of velo. The secondary stuff sucks. Like, it's, it's garbage. Just, yeah. And, I, and the I, fastball I there hasn't more really there. been great either. So yep. I thought there was just, more there, and I was wrong on Ranger Suarez. I was too, yeah. Nick, Nick was dead on on that one, and mm -hmm. uh, he didn't like him from the jump. Uh, Ian Anderson. I cut that fool in our league, um, and he's tried to embarrass me, but I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not worried about it. He's had like a good ERA, but it's still been the whip uh, in the in the subsequent starts since I cut him. He has he does have a a two thirty ERA. That stupid stupid idiot, <laughs> but he has a one forty seven whip uh, during those three starts because he's still allowing far too many base runners. He leads the NL in walks. I cut him just – it got untenable, man. He had a 531 ERA. He was coming off a seven-run outing at Philly when I cut him. 
I don't regret it. Like I said, of course the ERA came down immediately, but but to what end? The whip is still bad. So I moved on personally. So that tells you where I'm at with Ian Anderson. But he does have the, a 462 Sierra and a 479 ERA. He has a lot of uh, pedigree and excitement built that way. Is there anything to see in the second half, or does he just walk too many to uh, to be successful? Ian Anderson on the Braves. Yeah. Um... It's interesting because, like, he's uh, he's a guy who in the past has had a really good fastball, and this year it, it is not. It has just been hit around. Yeah, um, I know, Justin. I just explained how he was on my team. Yeah, and he's part so, of why I was in fourteen. I would have thought that, like, hey, maybe the solution is you need to become more aggressive, right? Um, you know, he, he's got a thirty-six percent zone percentage. Um, maybe you get that up towards league average. Uh, and say, hey, like, I'm going to throw the fastball a little bit more. So what does he do these last two starts? He's got a sub-30% zone percentage. He's like, I'm not going to throw in the zone at all. And either if you want to walk, I'll put you on base, but I'm going to hope that you do. I'm going to hope you chase. Um, yeah. and, and the fastball has played up better. Like, I, I really don't know what's going on with Ian Anderson. I don't either, man. I want to trust it because I've I've liked Ian Anderson in the past, um, but I don't. I absolutely just don't trust it, especially in that I, I division that's actually really good. So, what did you think of the cut? Did I support the cut when I did. I, I absolutely support the cut. I also tried to pick him back, pick him up, just because. Well, yeah, I mean, you I'm, pick I'm him a sucker. Off. Yeah, I'm it's a like, sucker for it. It's like I I I understood why Dusty cut. Uh, Dustin cut um, Trent Grisham, and then I picked him up. It's like one of those things. Mm -hmm. like, I get why you moved on, but I'll try to get him for forty dollars off the waiver wire because I know what I can get for forty dollars versus what you paid at the draft. So I totally get that why people went after Ian Anderson, uh, Trevor Rogers. I know we've talked a ton about him this year. He's been one of the bigger busts of the year. Four fifty-two Sierra with a five forty-six ERA. So even the Sierra is hinting at something better, but how much better? Uh, 21% K, 10% walk. The changeup just isn't there. So I am pretty out on like a full-scale rebound. Can he be fan can Trevor Rogers be fantasy relevant the rest of the way? Because right now he's not. I think he can. Um will he be in the last few? There's he's he's there's definitely been glimpses. Yeah, he's definitely looked better, but he what instead of like it just being garbage the entire you know game. He's he's been garbage in like one inning, um, exactly. And so it's like, hey, that's progress. Instead of being garbage for five innings or six innings, you're garbage for one out of the five. But that still hurts because, like, in I think it was his last start, like he was he was pitching an actual gem, and then in his last inning, he just he gave up four and runs. And you're like, well, no, I don't even get a quality start out of this. Like, yep. Um, it was, the, I, it was I the fourth inning against Philly. I, Colin and I have him too, so I'm intimately familiar with Trevor Rogers. He feels like the kind of guy that's going to have an amazing September and we're all going to get sucked back in. Oh, hell yeah. Like For a while, I was hoping that he could be this year's Luis Castillo mm -hmm. um, and, and rebound fully. It seems like that's actually going to be Charlie Morton, uh, yep. who is, who's you know looked a lot better lately. But uh, yeah, with Trevor Rogers, I mean... I, I've Colin and I have still had a hard time cutting him in a 15, but he has been so nauseating. Um, obviously you think he can do something. So you would be either picking him up or holding then in a 15, right? What about a 12? 
I think I'm spot starting him in a 12. So, like, I think he should be on a roster. It doesn't necessarily need to be a roster. Two-step um, next week at Cincy and versus the Mets. That's going to be a disaster. Like, it's I know it is. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So are Colin and I. Yep, because yeah. we still have him. We're probably gonna. I mean, I, we have I, I, I have him. I, I think. I mean, I think in my main, I may just need to just like uh, my other main, not the one I'm with you. Uh, I just, I probably just need to say screw my ratios and and go for broke. Like it just get as many strikeouts as I can and, and not yeah. worry about that. But um, yeah, I. That's I said, I mean, at Cincinnati, and I'm then, nervous. Yep, and then Great America the Ballpark, and then home to the Mets. That's Ugh. that is that is a disaster waiting to happen. But maybe I break. think maybe I think in a deeper league, I'm rolling things. with it. I think yeah. in a ten or twelve, like I don't know how you roll them out there. No, in a ten or twelve, I would have cut Trevor Rogers by now. But in a fifteen, yeah. we have not pulled that trigger, and we aren't yet. Uh, Hopefully, right, he gets next. destroyed on Strikers team. That'd be fine. It's like I was gonna say that's like one of the. Few mistakes that Stryker has made was the Trevor Rogers yeah. and I. He'd, he'd him be crushing this all if, if he had if not, Trevor Rogers had panned out exactly. Yeah. Uh, my boy Jose Arquiti is getting back on track a bit. He's looked a lot better of late. Uh, Doesn't look much, some, much worse. Uh, pr- precisely. I mean, that is a hundred percent the truth. Was things things looked horrible. He wasn't even delivering WHIP, which is usually his his go to. Now he's at a four hundred ninety ERA, a one twenty five WHIP, which still isn't great, but from where it was, it's pretty good. Four thirty one Sierra does not have you know great swing and miss. That's kind of the issue. I've always liked the depth of his arsenal though, and always felt like he could add some strikeouts. Like he's hinted at decent swing and miss. Um, this year, he actually does have the swing strike rate back up to ten percent. Is there more from Rikidi here? Uh, as I mentioned, he's been on fire of late. His last six, he has a 275 ERA, but with a 380 FIP. So keep in mind that like he's overplaying that. But the volume's been there again: six, six, seven, six, eight, six in the third. So six straight quality starts, quality work out of Arcidi. 31 strikeouts and 39 in the third during that run. What do we like in the second half? More of this run or more of the guy who had a 504 ERA in the 11 starts before these six gems for Arcidi? Um, I like the fact he pitches in the NLS and doesn't have to face his own team. Uh, for that, for that, these, that for, these six, nice. yeah, for these six starts were two were against Oakland, one was against the Angels, one were, one, one was against the Rangers. Now the other two starts were against each New York team. So yeah. I don't want to completely be like, oh, this is just schedule induced. I think yeah. it is schedule it is inflated. But he gets to stay in that division. Like there, he's not. It's not like he. It's not like he has to like go and now pitch in the AL East for the rest of the season or the NL East. Like no, he gets to pitch in the AL West. He doesn't have to face the Astros offense. So. And often there's at least in September there's more. There's, there's a lot so of like so he's I, really going to be in the division. As much as I'm not a Yurkiti guy, I don't think he's made any massive leap forward or changes. I agree. Um, by the way, I don't, I, I, and I am a massive Yurkiti guy. Yeah. And I don't think this is a great change into stardom no. here. Uh, I think he is a really good rest of the season matchups play because the matchups are going to be so good. Um, and I think they're, uh, you know, you may actually get a few more strikeouts because these teams are bad and they, they swing and miss a lot. Um, like Oakland's best hitter or one of their best hitters is Seth Brown. Who's striking out just all the time. Like 30 plus a, percent. He's, got, he's got a two eighty on base percentage um you know but i like he, him too by the way and that's just you can't have that dude yeah so like 
yeah, I mean, a- anybody going up against these teams you want. So, like, this is why, like, you know, you want to attack attack these, you know, ALS uh, starters who get to go up against these teams. So, to- totally um, agree there. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's that's Jose Arquiti, and he, there will be some availability there. His recent run probably sapped up, uh, sopped up some of his availability in tens and twelves. But check your wire, always check mm-hmm. your wire. Our last guy, Mitch White, pitched last night, uh, pitched pretty well against your against your Giants too. Um, yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't overly impressive or anything. Like it was, it really felt like the Giants bailed him out quite a I mean, bit. He had one K. Yeah. He he was not yeah, it, it was, was not dominant. But no. you know, five innings of one hit ball, that's good no matter how you slice it. They did hey, it played in my my fantasy league. Sure. Uh, but to, to the point of like it's not a breakout party of like no. 10 strikeouts to go with it. That would have been something. My concerns, I am a Mitch White fan, big time actually. My concerns are though that they're gonna bring in multiple guys. Um, and there won't be any room at the end for him. Like Dustin May was working his way back, but I think they're going to go get somebody uh, in the trade wa- in in the trade market as well. Andrew Dustin, Heaney is almost back too, so Andrew like, Heaney will be back for ten minutes, and that'll be fun for you. Um, so beyond those ten minutes of Andrew Heaney, though, <laughs> uh, that's my biggest issue. Though, does Mitch White hold the spot the rest of the year without uh, unforeseen injury? No, and I just don't think there's the upside warranted, at least for this year, to go he's worth rostering like outside of just matchup plays. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, if he's, if he's got, if you know, he's got a start coming up, especially if you're like in one of those like leagues, it's like daily pickups and you go, Hey, look, he's on the wire and they're facing the diamondbacks or they're, yes. you know, they're facing the giants, the Rockies at home. Like, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, then you play it, but I, I just, outside of that, like, it's just, you don't know like week to week, like how many, if he's actually going to get a start because that, you know, they could bring back guys. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's cause he's going to, as soon as he's back and he should be back any day now, um, he's going to be a six starter. Um, and, and like, you know, they're going to pick up some type of starter. There oh yeah. Somebody like, who can hybrid so that they don't have to always have them in, but they're going to get some, they're going to, they're, they're absolutely going to get, they're actually absolutely going to add to this team. So, uh, yeah, I just I don't think it's worth it. I agree, and I really like Mitch White. So maybe you spotted him here. Maybe you get another starter too. But he cannot be consistently trusted. So it's kind of a deep league play where you he's can giving spot up him a in. lot of contact. A lot. And that's the problem. Like One the, the strikeouts is- are not going to come up until he like actually doesn't allow so much contact in the zone. Exactly, he's got I mean, almost ninety percent. Like it's eight eight percent swing strike. Like, and the reason yeah. I liked him was we've seen ten. 10 11 in the in the bullpen which i know doesn't automatically translate he's at I thought 13 percent he is 13 percent in triple a there it, there, it's there, there. Are, that's the thing there's a pitch mix or sequencing issue going on here um that somehow survived justin and yesterday started as a perfect encapsulation like you said it wasn't dominant for mitch white mm-hmm. but he was like surviving so i think yeah. he's just all out like he's he, he's not in that zone yet mitch white isn't where he can kind of focus on the strikeouts. And we see this with some guys where a, their initial thing is to just survive, 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 and then the strikeouts start to come. That could be the case with Mitch White. Now, he's 27. It's not like he has some you know 24-year-old figuring it out. He's been around a while, and he's finally getting a shot here. He might just end up being somebody who is a hybrid guy for them as opposed to somebody who becomes maybe, the next Maybe he's starter. part of the return of a trade. That would I be could a- totally see that. 
they've like done that before. I mean, they they just that. did it with they just did it with Stripling, right? Like, yep. Like a, a team wants that's a major a, league piece and, too, and a minor league piece. Like, he probably just needs a new location in order to kind of take that next step because they're just so loaded. He's never going to get a full chance. I fully agree. Injury is is the way Mitch White gets a full chance the rest of the year, and you can't bank on that. So um, I think he's a deep league only kind of guy to where when he isn't starting, you can maybe hold him. But other than that, I think he's going to bounce on and off the wire again a few more times. Absolutely. So, all right. There's uh, there's some plays that could become gems this year, different uh, the rest of the, this year. Uh, we kind of ran the gamut there on on level of play, so hopefully we covered all league types. Justin, we got Potapalooza coming up this weekend, so no Sunday episode, but all day Saturday and Sunday. So how's that for a trade-off? Well, and I'll put the Sunday episode I do with oh, Jason that's right. on yeah, to you, you said uh, you were going to put that on yeah, the feed anyway. So on the feed, um, so that way if if if, God, or if if you guys and gals don't want to like go through the entire TGFBI feed to find all of the replays in podcast form, I'll put at least that last episode on Sunday on on the feed so you've got something in your podcast player perfect give give the um give the potapalooza rundown one more time yeah so starting 10 o'clock in the morning eastern 7 a.m pacific uh on saturday uh run until um the last one starts at five so running till six so eight hours each day uh and each hour is a different panel with different guests uh, talking different subjects. Uh, you're going to be on at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking starting pitching, but um, we've got all tons of people. Todd Zola, uh, uh, to- uh, Batflip Crazy Toby, uh, Jenny Butler, uh, Shelly V, uh, Eric Cross. We've got just like a ton of people in the industry who are going to come on, raise money for charity. Every dollar you donate uh, goes to Big League Impact, which is an organization that pairs up. It's actually it was founded by Adam Wainwright, um, yes. and it it, uh, it 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 supports a lot of causes around the world uh, and around the country. Um, but for every dollar you donate, you get a raffle ticket to win awesome prizes. Justin Mason Fantasy is the uh, at gmail.com is the PayPal at Justin Salinger is the Venmo. Um, and yeah, just come out, enjoy it. It'll be streamed everywhere. All my social medias, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. And then I'll also put it on fan graphs, uh, each day. So, uh, definitely Perfect. come out and enjoy it. Can't wait, man. It's going to be a blast and I appreciate you putting this on. So I'll, I'll see you during the weekend. Take it easy.